Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Psych. I am Dr. J.D. Barton, and I am a licensed clinical psychologist. And I am Dr. Joanna Witkin, and I am a cognitive neuroscientist. Real Psych is a new podcast where we share our gorgeously thoughtful opinions on the psychological phenomena playing out in all of your favorite movies. Hey, J.D., will there be learning? Girl, yeah. Will there be science? Didn't mean to gender you, but also yes. <laughs> Will there be delightfully informal, explorational, informational conceptualizations from two best friends who would be talking about this anyways? If you want. <laughs> Nailed Welcome it. Welcome back. <laughs> you are Yay. back in the USA. Back in the USA. Still recovering from jet lag a little bit. Wow. Such yeah. a flex. I know. I know. It's like such a humble brag. Humble brag. You were in India. India, yeah. It was Wait. amazing. I, I really want to go. Yeah, it was super cool. Um, You're a vegetarian. Was... Great place to be food-wise. Yes, but I also am not great with spicy food, so bad place <laughs> to be. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's a tough mix. Yeah. Um, but no, it was, it was great. I went to Jaipur, which is like this yeah. really like c- this city with like all this history, and it's called the Pink City, and I was living for it. It was great. Oh my gosh, and your hair blended so nicely, I bet. They were yeah. like pink city. Pink yeah. Hair. Well, purple. Purple Fuchsia. Pink. Fuchsia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was awesome, but it's definitely like it's a lot on the body and the mind. It's like travel. a 20 hour, yeah, 20 hours. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. I I think the longest flight I've ever been on is maybe like 13 hours. Um yeah. Yeah, it it was it was a lot. But it was a lot. Well, we got up to some stuff while you were gone. I know. I listened to it. It was so good. I am definitely afraid for my job. Your job is gorgeously safe. We'll just bring Miles <laughs> back yeah. and have more guests. And that's a that's a real plan. We we had such a good time and it was so much fun to sort of have new folks interacting with the podcast and everything. So we're definitely going to be bringing in um, for you sure. know, some more guests sure. uh, and making this a bit of a habit. We we were a little precious with this as we just really wanted to, like, find our voice um, yeah. for those listening. We really wanted to spend some time just us trying to figure out, like, okay, this needs to be our podcast. Uh, and it does feel that way. And it's really nice to bring somebody else in and have them kind of show us a movie and have them, you know, share their experience. And so we are eternally grateful. Yeah, I think 
having that kind of appreciation for like, okay, we've, we've allowed this to become a living thing and we've shaped it a little bit and now let's bring someone else in and see how they contribute to that was, was really cool. Like I, I love, I love being a fan and listening, um, and you know, talking about such important things and, uh, the brain stuff you talked about, very proud of you. (laughs) We talked about brains. Very proud. So, yeah. Um, no, it was really, it was really fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was really nervous. We got uh, to, it, it like we it, last week felt so good, and so now this week is my choice to pick a movie. Yeah, and I was like, no pressure, <laughs> no pressure, um, especially with all these new listeners. But I, uh, I went, I, I decided to just like the rest of this podcast, like go with talk about what I want to talk about. So yeah. I picked a movie that I'm excited to talk about. I'm so I, uh, proud of you. That's I think that's the right strategy. It's like it's been working so far as doing what we want. So yeah. like, it's it's hard to not take additional input really seriously, but like you know we can we can work with it, but also I think it's important to keep true to like this thing that we made. Yeah, be true to your heart. What what movie was that? True to your heart. That's ninety eight degrees. Yeah. No, that's a cover. Is it? I think so. I, okay, did ninety eight degrees sing it? Uh, yeah, for like a Disney movie, but was it's it like in a Disney movie. No, I don't know. The whole audience is screaming. Either. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Um, also, I probably owe Disney my, all of our profits from our newly uh, ad-sponsored O-M-G. podcast. Yeah. If y'all we are, are noticing, there are ads. Finally monetized. We are um, finally monetized, which you know, getting getting that big big money. Can't wait to just forget all of the people who helped us get here. <laughs> uh, as of yesterday, we'd made. 67 cents that is for real yeah so pretty exciting not trying to brag sorry yeah i think we need what we need like a 1099 and yeah get all our tax documents together yeah for sure in fact we we make so much we probably need an 11 or a (laughs) (laughs) 1299 i hate that joke tax humor (laughs) tax tax jokes um that's a good way to to get them and to keep them um should we get into this movie? yeah let's do it all right, so this movie that I chose is from Year of Our Lord, 1988. Cool. Uh, and the tagline is, best friends, social trends, and occasional murder. Oh, uh, I, okay, I know what movie this is, and I'm very proud of myself because I never get it on the first try. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope I get it now because it would be a horrible lead up to It'd get it wrong. It would be really embarrassing um, for you. Heathers. Yes! Yay! <laughs> we are watching Heathers. Good pick. This is this is really good. I feel like um I've I've been waiting for this. This is felt below the surface kind of like we're gonna get to it eventually. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been coming. This is a movie uh near and dear to my heart in a lot of ways. Not I've never seen just... it. <gasps> I know. I'm so excited then to have yeah. you uh, see this for the first time. There is a character named JD. Sorry. Um, <laughs> he's a total dreamboat sociopath. Love it. Um, you know, guilty as charged type cast. <laughs> uh, no, he, uh, yeah, Christian Slater plays JD. Winona Ryder plays Veronica. And she is friends with the Heathers, the mm-hmm. three most popular girls in school, all of whom named Heather. And Shannon Doherty, is she in it? She's one of the Heathers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it's a movie that I'm excited to talk about. It, it is most famous, I think people think of it as like a teen suicide film, mm. but it's actually more about murder uh, than suicide, but we'll we'll be talking about it. So I will say there, you know, it's trigger warning, but also like uh, it is not uh, heavily. There are the- some some themes of suicide. There are there is one uh, person who is considering suicide. Not to spoiler alert this for Joanna, but um, it is mostly murder, mm. uh, and it's a very very dark comedy. Um, but uh, yeah, so I do want to say like it, it is. Um, if you're listening and you're like, oh, no, oh, no, I, I do think there will be less theme uh, of that than we think. It may be something that I'll talk about a bit. It's something that as somebody who works in a university counseling center has spent a lot of time working with like adolescents, emerging adults, queer folks. It's something I am very comfortable talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I, uh, exp- you know, suicidal ideation was something that was very much a part of my life as, as a child and a teenager. Mm-hmm. So it may be something we'll talk about a little bit more. But um, if uh, you are struggling, once again, Trevor Project, great place to be looking. But um, either way, I'm really, really uh, excited to share um, thoughts and feelings about this movie and to share it with you for the first time. Yeah, that sounds great. Do you know where it's streaming? The internet. (laughs) Find it at your local internet. And we will let everybody know where it's streaming after these messages <laughs> yay we have messages <laughs> we do have messages <laughs> all right well i will see you in just moments i'll see yeah. you in just a moment joanna <laughs> sounds good all right bye, bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Oh, we are back. We have watched How that did movie. You feel about that movie? You'd never seen it. I know. I okay. So when I was watching it, I got about halfway through and was like, I hate this. <laughs> I hated it. And then afterwards, I was like, kind of sitting with it, and then I was reading some kind of critical analysis of it, and so I think I appreciate it more. There's a lot of like really interesting. I mean, spoiler alert, it is subversive. If we had to sum it up in one It is word. highly subversive. It is all the subversive. But it was yeah. very unpleasant for me to watch. And I think it's because I didn't, I don't have any memories of it. Right. And I think there's like a lot of stuff like, you know, in an age of cyberbullying and post-Columbine, like this is a real hard thing to watch. 
in an age of cyberbullying post-Columbine, uh, it is just the number of, and I mean, not even post-Columbine, I mean, just in this world of, you know, shootings and, and of violence and of all of this stuff, like, it is a lot. It yeah. is an over, it is an assault on the senses in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, intentionally. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it knew it was being, it was hitting you on the head with the satire. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting things. Like, I was reading about it. There's a scene, not to get too far ahead, but there's, like, sexual assault in this. Sexual assault. Um, there is, I mean, racism, eating homophobia, disorders. misogyny, d- eating disorders, yeah. uh, suicide. Yeah. I mean, all it's of the everything. things. And, and um, you know, before we even get into the synopsis, for those listening, um, we've already uh, we've put in the link or the info to um, the National Suicide Hotline, the Trans Lifeline, and the Trevor Project are all in the description for this episode, wherever you're getting your podcasts. Um, we're also going to read all of those out loud. Like, we'll give you the names and stuff at the mm-hmm. end. But if right now you're already a little bit like, um, I don't know, uh, you don't even have to listen to the rest of this episode. Yeah. Um, you can go right into the description, and all of that info is already there for you because um, we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I know I said, like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to talk about it, but I'll probably talk about it. I'm definitely talking about yeah, it. Yeah, there's – you I'm can't gonna... – you can't not. This I can't is, not. Yeah. And, and, you know, given the nature of, of what I do and how much – uh, you know, talking with folks who are considering suicide is a big part of my job. Yeah. Um, so it's something that I feel like is super important to talk mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in rewatching this movie through the lens of a real psych, a real psychologist, <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, it really is. It's very intense. Um, I, I mean, I love, I've loved this movie for a long time. My oldest sister, Debbie, made me watch it when I was, like, in high school, and I was, like, living. I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, there's all such, there's so many good lines. They're so mean, but yeah. in, like, a funny way. Like, they're, but, like, in, like they're making fun of meanness. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they're just so, and they're so, it's also, like, a female-centered, like, comedy. There's so few of those. Yeah. Um, especially like in this era. Um, and I think even like they, you know, a lot of it, right. It's one of those things where it's like so politically incorrect, this film, but also like it's making fun of people that are shitty enough to be saying these horrible things. Right. It's not the the jokes don't get to stand alone. And the person who says the joke looks cool or whatever. It's like, the, like, you know, they use like, they, they use a lot of, like, gay slurs and things like that. But everybody who's using the gay slur is the idiot in it, right? Like, yeah. And so it's one of those things which even in the 80s is, like, kind of no joke, you know? Yeah. I. It's a big deal. It was, like, a little bit lost on me at, in the moment because it, there was so much. Like, There's I, a lot I, of it. I feel like it was so overwhelming, like, from a sensory <laughs> point of view and from like yeah all of I mean because they throw everything at you like all of these themes at the same time and so yeah kind of like I couldn't even catch up to being like oh this is satire I'm just like bam 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 like all of these things like right it was a lot right is a lot and from just only white people well yeah that's a whole other thing but I I feel like I did not even understand the comedy. Like, there was one line that I thought was funny that I laughed out loud, and that's it. Really? Yeah, there was one line. 
I what line? <laughs> so it was like when um, Veronica, Winona Ryder, she's like talking about like you know all we want to be like we want to be treated like human beings. Um, we don't want to be experimented on like guinea pigs or patronized like bunny rabbits. And then the I, dad. That was going to say, that was dad, my favorite line. Yeah, the re-watching. dad's like, I don't patronize bunny rabbits. And I like laughed. That, <laughs> that was line, just, I never caught that line before this viewing. And it was, that was my superstar while funny. watching it. It's funny. I yeah. laughed. I, I think, um, I mean, there's a lot of lines that I just remember like making me laugh so hard. I, the first time I heard. Fuck me gently with a chainsaw. I like lost my brain. Yeah. Like, I was like done. Yeah, I think those I didn't realize how many of those like colloquialisms and those like sayings bled into you know, I've heard a lot of them before. What's your damage? Yeah. I've yeah, heard a lot that's of them a big one. just in general. How very. How very, yeah. How very. Um yeah, I mean, they're just they're so crass. Yeah. Like, especially um, the first Heather. Well, let's do the synopsis. Okay. Uh, so what's happening in this movie? So we open on, like, a high school. We see kind of the, you know, stereotypical cafeteria scene. You see who's popular. You're seeing all the different groups. And then you see there are three Heathers who are, Three like, Heathers. Three most popular girls in yeah, school are the all named Heather. Clicks. Veronica is part of this clique. Um, yeah. She seems like she's a new member still being kind of initiated. Um, but she's also kind of aware that it's not like that they're not good people. She's not thriving. Yeah. But she also feels compelled to be, you know, like take the social currency where she, where it's offered. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they're in the cafeteria. They're doing like a poll in the cafeteria, all these different groups. Um, there's... You see Christian Slater, JD's character. He's Doing kind of like a spot-on impression of a teenage Jack Nicholson. <laughs> How much is he just talking like this? Yeah, yeah. It is uncanny. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's but he's like a, supposed to be like you know sexy and mysterious. Uh, yes. And but he's he does his like accent is so funny. But I think that's just the Christian Slater. The brand. Christian Slater of it all. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, he's like kind of being like, like making eye contact with Veronica. She's like walking around and uh, kind of catches her eye because he seems like, oh, this is all stupid. Like, like they're the only two people who really understand that this right. is not real. Like this is right. not, you know. And so there's kind of a connection there. There's a horrible scene with Martha. Uh this like uh, Martha, who they call Martha Dump Truck. Yeah, what's her last um, like Dun, Dunstock. Um, Dunstock. And they do a prank where yeah. Veronica, who can match anyone's handwriting, copies in the most popular boy in school's handwriting and like this like you know fantasy that he had. Yeah, like about a love note. Martha Dunstock. Yeah. Um. And and they slip it onto her tray. Yeah. So bullying, you see like all of the ingredients bullying. here, all of the different um, cliques and stereotypes like real early on. For those listening, Martha is a fat person. Yes. And therefore deserves bullying, She's according alone. to Heather Chandler. She's alone yeah. the entire movie. Like you. She's alone. Yeah. She doesn't really have any agency either. Like she doesn't speak until the last scene. Oh, wow. I yeah. didn't notice that. I know. I, mean, I was I know reading about it. She's such a... Yeah, she has a whole... Yeah. Yeah. That's... And I'm actually going to talk about that in a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then what happens after that? Then they're, like, playing croquet a lot. There's all of these, like, 
politics. There's all these politics. power games, yeah, yeah, these yeah. politics, and and Heather Chandler, the main Heather, red Heather, who mm-hmm. all, they're all the red, blue, and green Heather is mm-hmm. like how I know them. But mm-hmm. the main one is Heather Chandler, who um, is, and it's uh, basically blonde Heather, Shannon Doherty, other blonde Heather. Um, yeah, the one that's Veronica. a cheerleader is the other. The one that's a cheerleader is other blonde Heather. But Heather Chandler um, is sort of bringing Veronica into the fold, but in a very, like, conscious, overt way of, like, you are getting a trial where we're going to go to a college party and, you know, and is just very much bossing her around and saying, like, this is what popular people do. Mm-hmm. This is what people expect from us. What do you expect me to do? Just, like, talk talk to social rejects. Like, no, 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 no. Like, really, really aware of the power games, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, they go to a college party where Heather Chandler is assaulted, mm-hmm. but seems like fine about it. Uh, well, Veronica, there's a scene where she's looking in the mirror and spits water at her reflection. Like she's, she's I mad. Think she's like, a, I don't know. She's like in it. She's playing the game, but she's also. Yeah. Like I suppose when I say, it. I suppose that is a deeply inappropriate way to say that. What I mean to say is she's assaulted and seems to be bought in on the idea that that is the price of popularity exactly. yeah. and it's a price that she's willing to continue paying and she's angry when Veronica does not do the same. Yeah. Um, so I apologize. That is rape culture to yeah, say yeah. that she's fine with it. She's absolutely not fine with it. But she is... Uh, no, exactly what you said. She knows that this is the she price. She feels like that's the yeah. price of popularity and she's therefore willing to pay it. She's bought in enough to these the, these the suppressive system because she is at least on top of the oppressed. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, the, the movie centers around this girl clique, and, um, you know, you see them with kind of all of this social power. But when you see the jocks talking, you know, I mean, they're still being objectified by men. So, Always. like, as much as they are popular and have the power at the school, at the end of the day, they're still objects to be talked about by right. women. Um, and that's right. never really lost. And you're kind Never of constantly lost. reminded of that. Yeah. So uh, Veronica, a guy tries to um, force himself on Veronica. She refuses. When she walks away, she's now, she almost, she, she throws up mm-hmm. at the party, embarrasses Heather. Heather tells her, when we get to school on Monday, you're toast. Yeah. Like, I will ruin your reputation. No one will want to talk to you um, because you threw up at a party that I invited you to, at a college party. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Veronica comes home, and who is waiting for her at home but one Christian Slater? Yep. Just pops they into her outside, window. Pops into her window. They go outside to play croquet and have sex. Mm-hmm. Immediately. That is um, seems consensual there. Yes, I think I believe it is consensual, yeah. especially in the context of we have just seen her refuse to have sex with somebody right. she doesn't want to have sex right. with. Um, uh, and so uh, they... The next day, or before Monday morning comes, they decide to go and try to talk to Heather Chandler to convince her not to ruin Veronica's popularity. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make amends, kind of. Trying like. to make amends, and and but they're also gonna like make her throw up. The goal is like, oh, because I threw up and it was embarrassing, I'm gonna make her throw up so she's yeah. embarrassed. Yeah. Cut to, they give her Drano. Yeah, bleach and it's... bleach and Drano, and she immediately dies. Mm-hmm. And they... Veronica did not know that this was the plan. Veronica thought they were giving her just like 
something that would make her throw up because it was just so gross, but was edible, basically. Yeah, you see the beginning of JD's, uh, like, how evil he is because she sees that he pours a cup of Drano and she's like, what? We're not doing that. Um, but grabs the wrong cup mistakenly. Right. And then when she dies, and you know, she has the cup. Um, JD knows that it's the bleach and he doesn't say anything. So right. she dies and they quickly, I think JD uh, like comes up with the idea of like, oh, let's write a suicide note. Let's write a suicide note for her because Veronica can copy anyone's handwriting. Mm-hmm. So... They go to school, and all of a sudden, uh, Heather Chandler is canonized. Yes. They write this suicide note about the pain and about how lonely it is at the top and all of these things. Um, And the school starts really paying attention. Mm -hmm. Um, There's even a line, like, he's like, but, you know, she's a cheerleader. Or, like, you know, talking about how it matters more because of... Like, oh no 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 she he no no it doesn't matter as much because she's not a cheerleader they could get a half day if it was a cheerleader oh right yeah 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 if if it was the other yeah, uh, yeah, other yeah. blonde Heather right right um and you know the whole school starts to really like buy into this like oh my gosh oh my gosh what how, what a special little angel yeah she even was. though she terrorized everyone she terrorized when everyone. she when yeah it's like uh she dies everyone kind of glorifies her memory and right yeah. Right. So um, that night, uh, other blonde Heather is asked to go on a, du- on a double date with the two, you know, main football, mm-hmm. like meathead, you know, homophobes. And uh, they just want to go like cow tipping or whatever. Um, Veronica walks away. And the next day at school, um, these two guys have told everyone at school that they both had sex with Veronica. Mm-hmm. At the same time, mm-hmm. you know, essentially, like, because she walked away, they've decided to, like, slander her. Right. Um, and she and JD come up with this plan to really scare them. Oh, yeah. JD also, in the very first scene, when they came up to him and started calling him F-slur um, and all of these things, he pulls a gun on them that yeah. was loaded. And, and that's loaded with blanks. Yeah. And shoots two blanks at them and is suspended from school right away. So we already get a taste of, like, that's not a normal thing to do. Right. Um, right. <laughs> um, uh, and so they decide to play this prank on these dudes. Prank in quotes. Y'all can't see it, but Joanna can. Um, this prank on The them prank where, where they have like, she, he tells her like. like break the skin, but won't. But also like, they'll stop breathing. Yeah, they'll be unconscious. They'll stop breathing, but they're not dead. <laughs> they're not dead. And she they're these stun is, bullets. Yeah. And she's like, okay, that or makes whatever. sense. So they get these two guys there, get them to strip down. She, of course, lures them by saying, like, I do want to do what y'all said I did, which, mm-hmm. like, sure. Um, and lures them there, and then um, they kill them both. Yeah. And she's like, wait, 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 what? But they now set it up where it looks like these two have died by suicide uh, and that they were secretly gay mm-hmm. and in their relationship. Yeah. And that the whole world, you know... Um, was never going to accept them. So mm-hmm. they uh, did this, which also, like, let's name, like, this is like peak AIDS epidemic, mm-hmm. at least in the United States, peak gay AIDS epidemic, um, pre world uh, AIDS epidemic in, in the same way. But mm-hmm. again, AIDS is very much every single day in the news. Yep. Um, so this suicide happens. Um, 
they actually, one of the things that I was really shocked to re-listen is one of the ways that he says they're terrible people is because they make AIDS jokes. And I was like, okay, like again. Yeah, there's some. And to anyone listening, there's no funny AIDS joke. If you are living with HIV AIDS, you're welcome to make jokes about your own experience, of course. Uh, anybody else, just don't. There's just no, there isn't a good yeah, one. There's yeah, no, just... it's not a good look. Um, that's what I kind of appreciate about this movie was the thing where it's like, no, 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 they're, they're make everything that they're, they're, everyone's terrible. Yeah. And they're telling you they're terrible. Um, anyway, so they die. Then it's like pandemonium in the school. Now everybody is like so glorifying suicide. What happens next? They have a funeral. There's a, they have there's, a funeral. There's a funny line there. I love my it. gay son. Yeah. No, my dead. I love my dead gay son. <laughs> That's right. Right. And um, classic. Yeah. And um, then they're having like a, they're getting a lot of news coverage, right? So they're really basking in. A lot of news coverage. Um, basking in kind of a messaging, capitalizing on uh, this, you know, because they talk about kind of the broader epidemic of suicide. Right. And, um, you know, there's the Shannon Doherty, Heather. Shannon Doherty is becoming more popular. JD kind of talks her into filling that power vacuum. To be the new HBIC. Yes. And she gladly accepts. Um, very. Yeah. And so she's... How very. Yeah. She's the center of all that. Um, and Veronica is realizing how messed up JD is. And... Yes. She is trying to break up with him. And yeah. he attempts to assault her. He attempts to assault her. She walks away or, yep. you know, pushes him off and screams and says, we're broken up yep. and tries to leave. And this and now he's starting. We know he's now got this plan with Shannon Doherty, Heather. They're putting to, her on a petition to have everyone to sign it. Yes. And he uh, we know he's up to something trying to get Veronica back. So then uh, also in this moment, um, Martha uh, Dunstock does attempt suicide. Yes. She attempts to walk into traffic, mm-hmm. um, is unsuccessful. And other Heather, other blonde Heather, cheerleader Heather, also attempts yeah, suicide why did, nearly. Why does she do that again? Well, she, so the other two Heathers, notably through this whole thing, so uh, Shannon Doherty Heather is bulimic. Right. For the whole, like, intro until main Heather dies, and then all of a sudden she's eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, other Heather has all of these, like, you know, depressed, anxious sort of reactions and then continues to have them, even, you know, especially after first right. Heather died, right. who she so admired. So she's really struggling with this, um, but is struggling in a way where, like, she looks foolish. She, she calls into, like, a hotline. And, right. you know, and it sort of, she looks even She's having that emotional to that. vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. And so then uh, Veronica catches her trying to take sleeping pills in the bathroom. Um, and she is like, you know, catches her. She's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I want to be alone. And she's like, suicide is a very private matter. Um, and there's all of these, for those who have not seen this film, um, there's all of these lines that are just such dark things like um and so like there's a line in in um just after so one of the next things that happens is uh veronica knows jd is attacking her is like trying to get to her so she fakes her own suicide yeah and her mom so walks that jd in. will reveal of what his whole plan is 
and her mom walks in and she's not dead but JD reveals his plan to blow up the school and Veronica comes into school and says and the teacher who's like the most woo woo like teacher of them all says oh my gosh Veronica what are you doing here JD said you committed suicide earlier today yeah and she's like no I didn't she's like well if you want to have a talk whether or not to kill yourself is one of the most important decisions a teenager can make right (laughs) so this movie is like a pitch black comedy like it is dark yeah dark yeah um Veronica, of course, now has tricked JD into thinking that she is dead, but she's not. Uh, and then comes to thwart his plans and shoots him. Shoot First shoots off his middle finger, which like, LOL. Yeah. Well, he's like putting dynamite everywhere. There's a pep rally. So the whole there's a pep rally. student, like all the students everywhere. are in one place. Yeah. And then there's a, a standoff and she's There's a standoff. She very bites weak. him physically, <laughs> yeah. beats him, uh, shoots him, and then walks out of the school he follows her out holding you know multiple gun wounds yeah and then is wearing like a vest with like a like a bomb from like an episode of macgyver yeah and says he's gonna blow them both up but he actually just blows himself up only she's covered in like soot and ash she walks into school takes the red scrunchie which we didn't name earlier takes the original heather scrunchie off of shannon doherty's head Mm -hmm. puts it on her own head and then asks Martha if she wants to hang out this weekend instead of going to prom. Yeah. Then that's roll credits. That's the whole movie. Yeah. So that's it is, <laughs> it's a lot. It was yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot to watch, not knowing like what to expect and not ever having seen it before. And also to mention that this movie predates and is an influence on movies like Clueless and Mean Girls. Yes, yes. But those movies Jawbreaker. are so yeah, Jawbreaker, so different. Even the messaging is so different. Like they still exist within the um, confines of like their own social systems. Like right. at the end of uh, like um, Mean Girls, Katie's like a normal kid. You know, like she. It's all like within the same social network um whereas this right. one is really about breaking that apart um and speaking to just like the how like messed up the entire system is and how it also mirrors society like there's the right. whole thing with um when she's talking about you know they just want to be treated like human beings and the mo- her mom is like what do you like this is being a human being like it's not like it's different once you get out of high school, like, this is what yeah. it's like. Why is know? it teenagers always t- ask to be treated like human beings at the moments when they most likely are being treated exactly. like human exactly. beings? Exactly. So it's um, it's yeah. way more um, exposing kind of those dynamics as opposed to exposing some of the, like, contained dynamics, like relational aggression and, and bullying. You know, it's like... Exposing the entire system is, is... It's exposing the whole system. I mean, it's also really illuminating this point that, like, the only time teenagers get attention is when they've done something bad. Yep. Right? And their parents are so... Especially, I think there was this moment in the, like, Reagan 80s of, like, economic prosperity where there mm-hmm. was just, like, so much wealth in the country in general, mm-hmm. especially in the worlds we see portrayed in films, um, that, I mean, they are all very rich yeah they are all rich kids and it's not it's not named at all it just is like it's just just everyone is. is rich yeah everyone is super super rich and it's this idea that it's like what do you mean 
we've given you everything, therefore you have everything. Mm-hmm. And these teenagers are like, we have no support, no supervision, and no one to really talk to us about anything. Right. Um, the only people we have are like the one teacher who's like, all of them are hurting or in pain. And then every other teacher is just like, ah, what are we like? How's this going to look to the school board? Yeah. Right. Like nobody really cares about these kids and nobody really engages with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are these sort of like parentified, adultified people. But again, um, and it is like the CW of it all, right? Where it's all like these all these people are all like twenty eight. None of them are teenagers, <laughs> right? Um, they're talking about issues that are just so far and above and beyond. And, and this is also this movie is coming in the like sort of aftermath of the John Hughes era. Yeah. Of like, let's take this like squeaky clean little town like Shermer, Illinois, and do like the Breakfast Club, where it's like mm, we're teenagers and we have feelings, yeah, right? Yeah. And it was so normal, like cute, and it was so cutesy. human. It was so cute and sweet mm-hmm. that's like, what if like at the end of this one we blow up the school, right? right. And so it is such like a counteract counteraction that that's a word, yeah. um, and, and such like a a shift from what we had seen. Um, using you know some of the biggest stars of the time, certainly Winona Ryder, certainly Christian Slater, um, yeah, and just sort of subverting everything. Um, and again, this movie did not subvert, subverted everything in such a way that I think was more extreme and more grandiose in the 80s when shootings were less common, when, you know, I mean, and they've even like, this, this story is so controversial that like they made a, a Heather's TV show and um, it was supposed to premiere like a month after the Parkland oh, shootings. Dang. I mean, there's and also so a musical now. Like There's it's... now a musical. The other so thing, got though, pulled from American TV. It's now you can watch it on Paramount Plus. Oh, interesting. Um, but the first episode has somebody bring a gun to school, and so wow. it's something that they were just like not gonna do. I do think it's a conversation that should be had. Like, I think it's one of those things where like people don't. It is art, and so like looking at the way we are seeing things through art, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it's so fraught. I mean, it's so hard to do. When this movie when this movie came out, it was a flop. Like it did not do well at the box office. It's so it's so wild. Yeah, and so I think that also reflects like whether society was ready for this movie or not. Right. Well, and you know, I I, I looked up you know in my research for this movie, I look I, I I actually started. This is such a silly Google, um, and I hope those listening uh, just feel really close to me when I name <laughs> that the first thing I googled was Heather's film mental health because I was like what is the world like saying about this and there are like reddits where it's like uh Veronica has bipolar disorder not true uh and you know Christian Slater has schizophrenia not true yeah um they do call him psychotic but again for those listening to this podcast you know psychotic is people who have uh, delusions hallucinations things like schizophrenia People who are psychotic are not more dangerous than anyone else. They are more likely to be harmed. So they are actually more vulnerable. Um, however, there's some real sociopathy in yes, what he's doing. That's right? what there's I was some deep say, yeah. antisocial personality disorder that we're seeing in him and just the way in which he does not uh, go by the rules. Um, he chooses to build his own, his own sort of sense of justice. Um, and Veronica 
you know, transitions from being bullied by the Heathers to being bullied by uh, JD, um, it me. And, (laughs) you know, and it ends with her sort of breaking the system, right? He has died and she's now saying, like, I'm not only the most popular girl in school, I'm going to talk to Martha Dunstock. Right. And so she's trying to sort of, like, break the system. But, yeah, I did Google... uh, Heather's film, Mental Health. Yeah, I mean, I've certainly... I do, like, uh, the movie and then Psychology of. Yeah, 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 yeah. So totally. it's similar. I'll, like, get uh, initial kind of thoughts about it. Totally. Um, and so, like, I I was reading about Christian Slater's character, J.D., as uh, essentially he's a destructive nihilist, right? Like, yeah. very on-the-nose destructive yeah. nihilism, and that's contrasted with Veronica... Wanting to break the system. I don't know what kind of philosophy that is. But, you know, she's not like we have to tear it all down and begin anew in the way that, like, JD is kind of proposing. Um, She's, like, realizing at the end of I will break this myself. I will do it. Um, Yeah. And and take control. Yeah. I mean, she's – and that's the – that's the weird thing about this movie is in a way it gets away with what it's doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, because of that. Barely. <laughs> barely. Yeah. Um, and again, at the time especially, like it got away and that it wasn't, you know, using this so, um, I, there's a reason it's become canon mm-hmm. even in, in the wake of all of these atrocities that ha- continue to happen. Yeah. Even this week. Um, right. And so, um yeah, so what I what I ended up doing was ultimately I was like, you know what? I got to talk about suicide. Yes. It's it's such I a big said, part of the movie. It's such a big part of the movie. And again, most of the movie is actually about murder mm-hmm. that is then framed as suicide. But there are two people in this film that attempt suicide. Yep. And so um as I said, you know, suicide is something I talk about every single day at work. Um, You know, I work on a college campus. uh, And so it's the kind of thing where when we, anybody who comes in for any appointment just about um, fills out a survey. And within that survey are questions about harm to self and harm to others. Um, So I wanted to give some some lay of the land stuff. And then I wanted to sort of break some some stigma. Mm -hmm. So suicide in 2020, um, suicide was the 12th leading cause of death in the U.S., um, in 2020, almost 46,000 uh, Americans died by suicide. Uh, we now say died by suicide instead of committed suicide, since mm-hmm. committed suicide refers to like a criminal act. Right. And we're trying to sort of walk away from this idea of this as something criminal. It is illegal, but also like, ugh, like right. what? Right. Um, yeah. And in 2020, though, so as I said, 45, uh, almost 46,000 people died. But in 2020, there were 1.2 million suicide attempts mm-hmm. in the United States, which is roughly one in uh, 300 people, or um, 13.48 per 100,000 individuals is what uh, this is breaking down. So contrary to what most people think about suicide, because when, we, uh, when you think about suicide, Joanna, what population comes to mind? You, uh, marginalized people, right? People who Marginalized have- people... Any age groups come to mind? Young people. Yeah, young. Teenagers. Mm-hmm. We think about, like, marginalized folks. We think about the bullied. We think about yep. the, the harassed, the yep. marginalized. 
um, gay kids, right? There's a lot of, uh, you know, press, especially with like the It Gets Better project and all those Mm -hmm. things, right? The highest rate of suicide is actually middle-aged white men. Interesting. Uh, And in general, um, men, uh, so interestingly, women attempt suicide at higher rates than men. Men die by suicide uh, more often Mm. than women. And a big part of that is lethality. So it is the means that people are using. Um, and so they are, men die by suicide 3.8 times more than women. Um, men account for 70% of suicide deaths. Wow. And the thing that is present in just over 50% of cases is guns. Men are more likely to use guns. Mm-hmm. That is like the thing we are looking at here. Right. Um, so this kind of stuff is really important when we start to think about what can we do to keep people safe from suicide. Number one thing you can probably do is start an open dialogue mm-hmm. with your friends and family about suicide. Whether you are experiencing thoughts of suicide is not the issue, right? Talking about suicide is so important. Number two, do not own a gun, or if you own a gun, have it locked in a safe where you are the only one who has access to this firearm. Yeah. I think the best thing you can do is not have a gun. There's a lot of statistics that say that having a gun in your home does not increase safety. It only increases likelihood of death by gun in that home. Mm-hmm. Um, lots and lots of research is showing this. Um, and again, guns, it's not great. Guns are also just capitalism. Like the reason guns are all over the United States is because people make so much money selling guns. It has nothing to do with our right to keep ourselves safe. It has everything to do with people making trillions of dollars a year selling people guns. That is the main reason we have guns everywhere. So one of the things I want to you know, really also stress For those of you who are out there who've ever had thoughts of suicide, I named at the very beginning of this, this is something I thought a lot about as a child. I Mm -hmm. thought a lot about this almost every single day. So the estimated prevalence of suicidal ideation of children and young people who are being treated in therapy, suicidal ideation, meaning thoughts of death or just thoughts of like, you know what? I could um, not wake up tomorrow and that would be fine. Yeah. That would be fine with me. It's what we call passive ideation. That, those rates are about 25% wow. of people in therapy. So what I'm trying to say is it's so normal to have thoughts like this. If you are having thoughts like this, uh, know that you are normal. And... I have more to say, but what I do want to name is that the prevalence of suicide attempt is uh, between, is around like 0.8% of people. So about 1% of people who are, uh, or 3.6% of people in treatment and 0.8% of people who are not in therapy. Mm. It is such a small, small, small number of people. So what I'm trying to say is just because you are having thoughts does not mean you will do something. However, if you're having thoughts, the best thing you can start to do is begin a conversation with somebody. That conversation can be with somebody at the National Suicide Hotline, the Trevor Project, 
trans lifeline. That can be with a friend. That can be with a family member. The best thing you can do in these moments is not worry alone. Mm -hmm. The thing about suicide is it's often linked to things like depression. Um, And so particularly suicidal ideation is highly, highly correlated with depression. And so the thing to be mindful of is that depression wants you to feel alone. Depression keeps you from feeling rejected by never letting you have experiences where you feel connected. Because what if that that connection ends and you feel rejected? So if you are feeling alone and having thoughts of death, thoughts of suicide, the best thing to break that cycle is to talk to somebody. It actually is an incredibly powerful intervention. That doesn't mean you have to talk to a parent or a teacher or any of those things. It, it, or, or you know, you could talk to a friend. You could talk to a lot of different people. Find someone and talk to them. It reminds me of that statistic that you talked about in previous episodes with yeah. trans children and having yeah. one trusted adult that they yes. can talk trans to. Trans kids have one having one adult uh, who affirms their gender, one adult who is affirming to them drops uh, suicide attempt rates from 40% to 4%. It is a huge difference. So yeah, that's social finding support. somebody, social support. Um, and one of the things I also recommend people do is actually finding somebody when you don't feel sad. Yeah, definitely. Can be such an incredible thing. So if you're feeling okay right now, but you know you've been there, um, it can be so powerful to say to somebody like, hey, Joanna, so I'm actually really good right now. I want you to know I'm totally good. I'm totally fine. But I want you to know that sometimes I'm not. And I want to see if it would be okay if I came and talked to you a day when I'm not okay. Right? Yeah. And you let them know so they're not, they don't have to worry. And you can say, like, you do not have to worry right now. I'm actually really, really good. And what I'm trying to do is build a safety net for when I'm not good. So it means they don't have to freak out. They don't have to lose sleep. And... And again, you can walk this in how you want to. I recommend, obviously I recommend going to therapy. I obviously recommend like, you know, calling these hotlines. I recommend getting help, but sometimes the smaller steps can be even more important, right? Telling one person that this is something you struggle with can be so huge. One of the things I've had people do is when they're feeling okay, tell somebody like, hey, Joanna, like I am totally fine right now. A few months ago I wasn't, and I'm glad that I'm not there anymore, and I don't want to go there again, and I don't want to be alone. So, like, could we devise, like, a code? So I don't even have to say to you, hey, I'm not okay, and I'm thinking of suicide. Could I just send you, like, a lemon emoji, and you'll just know, right? Or, or if I just send you a random emoji that has nothing to do, and just totally out of context on its own, yeah. can that just be our symbol so that I don't have to actually say the words? I think that's such a good point to make because the thing about depression and feeling alone is that you do not, when you're in that place, you are the least equipped to reach yes. out and build those yes. social those yes. social networks and that safety net. Um, and so it almost can feel, I think, in the messaging sometimes, like we're like, okay, you know, if you are having suicidal thoughts, reach out to someone. Like we're almost like giving more work to people yes. who are like, you don't even understand how right. nothing I feel and how I don't yeah. have the energy to do this. And so I think it's so important to distinguish like, no, this is actually something that you should do when you are feeling okay, when you do have the energy to do that in a preventative way because it is so hard to do it 
uh, and kind so of normalize that, right? It's not yeah. like every other depressed person can reach out and you can't, you know? Right. That's a really great, yeah. And this advice also goes the other way around, y'all. So mm-hmm. saying to your friends, hey, sometimes I feel really bad and I, you know, might need help. Do you feel that way too, right? Is there something that I can do to help you? Or when you have a friend who's feeling really low, you know, one of the things when I was trained, I, I think I said last week, um, the first the first counseling gig I had was as a lifeline counselor for uh, Trevor Project. And it blew my mind that one of the, they said within the first five minutes, you need to ask on the phone, are you thinking of killing yourself? Very directly, yeah. very abruptly. And which I remember being like, oh no, that's going to give people this like, and it was like, no, guess what? You're not going to give somebody this idea. Oh, yeah, it's in there. You're not going to plant this seed right. in their head. But what you are going to do is is find out the answer very quickly. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so I think, and, and, I, and they are very specific about that question, not saying, are you thinking of hurting yourself? Because cutting or non-suicidal self-injury, NSSI as it's often called in mental health, is actually not that closely correlated with suicide. Cutting right. Right. and... It's it's similar to prevalence of, as we said, prevalence of suicidal ideation versus suicide attempt. It's actually a very, very low. And the most common would just be accidental sort of over injury um, that would lead to what people would consider um, an, sort of an unintentional suicide attempt. But um, what I'm saying, though, is if you're talking to somebody and they're having a hard time asking them, are you having thoughts of suicide? Are you wishing you weren't alive right now? Yeah. And just finding out what they say. And you don't have to say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad, you know, you need to stay alive. You need to stay alive. What you can say is like, okay, well, I'm here and I'm with you. And and that sounds impossible to hold right now. Yeah, I mean. I love you yeah. and you mean a lot to me. It is. And I'm so sorry you're holding that. You're not alone. It is so simple to kind of affirm that. I mean, talking, like I've, I've had those moments yeah. and those times mm-hmm. and I... Um, you know, I was going through something like that last year and one of my friends like mailed me a card that just said like, mm-hmm. I'm so proud of you. And that was like it, you know, like she didn't yeah. even like call me, you know, but it was so helpful and it, it doesn't have to be this whole thing, this whole speech. You don't have to like, do your own research, like just. Nope. And you don't have to be their psychologist. Exactly. And you don't. And listen, y'all, you also don't need to be their therapist. You do not, and the, the thing that often happens is for folks that are trying to help a friend who's having thoughts of suicide, they then become their 24-hour support system. Mm-hmm. That is not the answer. I am a licensed clinical psychologist. My clients can't call me at 2 a.m., mm-hmm. and that's with good purpose, right? There, mm-hmm. there, I have boundaries in there, and that's, they can call, they can call lifelines, they can call helplines, they can call 911, but saying to somebody, hey, this is big and this is important, and this is more than I'm able to hold by myself. Yeah. And so I and you deserve more than my confused ass trying to help you. Um, and you can say that in a good and supportive way that says like, hey, I let's find you some better support. Yeah. Let's find you something else. Let's yeah. let's call Trevor together, and Trevor Project will have resources. Or let's you know let's look up like low fee sliding scale therapy in the area. Let's call your health insurance company and get you in for some therapy. Um, yeah. There's a lot of ways to do this. You do not have to, if somebody tells you this, you don't have to be the one to hold this whole thing. Yeah, I mean. y'all, ugh. it's my job and I don't hold it. Yeah, and let me tell you too, like, while like work. finding therapy, mental health, access to mental health, and 
um, you know, psychiatry, uh, like medication management, all of those things is so challenging, even if you're feeling great, that yep. having someone who would offer to do that, even just look in your medical insur- insurance portal, like who's a covered, making all those yeah. calls. I mean, every time I've had to find a therapist, it's been a weak affair of like just trying to call people uh getting you know are they accepting new patients or do they accept my insurance it's the worst and so when you don't have the energy to do that that's another thing if you are thinking about therapy you've had these bad times it is probably better to do that when you're feeling okay even though you think no i'm feeling okay like i don't really need it right now that's the best time to do it because that's the best time to do it when you're feeling then bad if it takes three weeks four weeks five exactly. weeks for you to get in somewhere you're like okay yeah that's all right it's so hard it's so hard it's so hard um there are lots of resources but finding them and getting them and getting the right one and getting one that's sustainable totally. it's very very hard mm-hmm. it's very hard um Again, we have all of these things in the um, in the info about this episode. All of these, we have several resources. Um, But I did some research on suicide, separate to all of these things, which I found really exciting. So actually, one of my uh, one of the friends of the pod, who um, hopefully will be on an episode coming up, uh, Guy Branham, is a stand-up comedian who is unbelievably funny, queer, uh, and brilliant. Um, And Guy is self-identified fat and gay. And has uh, did a great bit about. Uh, he wrote a beautiful book as well called uh, "My Life as a Goddess." Has an incredible chapter about being fat uh, and the way in which he is treated as a fat person. And he talks about uh, in this book uh, and also in his most recent uh, stand-up that he's been doing uh, on some festivals. And he talks about how the world tells him he's supposed to be sad all the time, mm-hmm. very similar to what Martha experiences, right? And he uh, named something, he named some psychology research in his stand-up set that I then went and looked into. Actually, let me be very honest. First, my friend Guru, who I've also mentioned on this podcast before, who is a social worker and a therapist uh, and a proud fat person, uh, body positivity activist. Uh, and uh, she went and found this research as well. So Guy said that as a fat man, he is less likely to attempt suicide. Huh. And so Guru did some research. I then also found this article after Guru already sent it to me. Uh, And there's some really interesting data that shows that BMI is um, inversely correlated with or negatively correlated with suicide attempts. So... Uh, what they're seeing that there's in in this one study that I found um, there's well I, I looked at one meta-analysis which as we said meta-analyses are great systematic reviews are great because they look at everybody else's research and then summarize it uh, which we love yeah. and so uh, there was a, a paper called obesity and suicide risk in adults a systematic review um, by Klinsky Steinig Blucher Kirsting and Wagner um, and they basically found, they used eight studies um, that showed uh, the completed, uh, they, they showed an inverse relationship between BMI and suicide. So obese people, again, this is a medical term. It is not the term that most people are using. Um, it's, again, uh, ableist, sizist uh, words. Also, the language in these articles is really horrible. Oh, I bet. Um, but showed that um, 
people are less likely to commit suicide than people of, quote, low or, quote, normal weight. And so um, they talk about uh, attempts versus ideation, on the other hand, and found that those differ uh, a little bit between gender. But essentially what they're showing is uh, essentially food, and again, in these, in some of these cases, as Guy sort of puts it, cake makes me feel better, right? Like the using these coping strategies. Yeah, it is coping. Actually, it is coping. Mm-hmm. It is a way of coping. Food is good. Food makes you feel good. We talked about this when we did center stage, and we talked about eating disorders, and we talked about. I mean, they see it in this, right? With the with the bulimia and the like, you know, using this sort of binging as a coping strategy when you're overly controlled and then you feel out of control and that loss of control actually feels very good, mm-hmm. um, which then, of course, is you know the compensatory strategy. But essentially what this is showing is that our image as Martha Dunstock in this film is that she's so unhappy and she's so sad is also like, I don't know that that's actually fair mm-hmm. to say um, when you know we actually have real data. And again, this is a meta-analysis so it's looking at multiple studies but there's a lot there's actually quite a bit that's saying like oh um people with higher bmis are maybe not as unhappy as we thought they were and one article actually said that this becomes um this uh this effect is lost when it comes to people that have had bariatric treatment so people that are very unhappy uh or, or have chosen to undergo surgery like a lap band surgery or something to um, as we, the, the horrible term that they used to call it is having your stomach stapled is what they called it in the 90s, which like, right. woof. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, yeah, duodenal switch, gastric bypass, like different kinds of surgeries, um, that they have higher risks of suicide. So people in that, in that sense. That's so interesting. That makes me think about the enteric nervous system, you know? What's Say that? more. <laughs> so there is kind of, it's really kind of un chartered territory but mm-hmm. the enteric nervous system is basically you have like a separate nervous system in your gut um, oh yeah mm-hmm. and, oh yes 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 yeah and so there's really not a lot that we definitively know about it um there's besides really you know there's there's hormones that are released that control hunger and food intake and yeah uh, like you know feelings of being satiated um there's we understand that there is bacteria in the gut and some of it is good and some of it is bad, but there is mm-hmm. some... Imp- a lot of neurotransmitters. There's a lot of dopamine and serotonin oh, totally. running around yeah. in your gut. And there is an... It's an independent kind of, I mean, but but connected nervous yeah. system that is in your gut that is doing some... I did not research this at all. <laughs> but, Same. But... I didn't even know what I th- it was called. There could I was be just like gut serotonin. Yeah, there could <laughs> there could be something there with with that effect. Although, as a researcher, I want to push back on something you said. Oh please! So you said that uh, people who are quote unquote like have higher BMI or who are obese have mm-hmm. lower uh, incidences of attempted suicide, or yeah. than people with quote unquote lower or normal uh, yeah. weight. That is not the same as saying that fat people are happier, right? Correct. So Correct. That is, I, yeah, I, I don't know that we can say the inverse is true, but I think it is an interesting statistic, and I think there could be something with the role of food 
like biochemically or biochemically you know. or as even behaviorally as totally, a coping mechanism totally. to engage in, in a coping mechanism i mean it also says that anybody who has a higher bmi is engaging in food more often than people with low bmis which right we which also is, know is not true totally totally um yeah it's not uh it is not super conclusive or like but i, I do enjoy that this research is essentially saying like hey y'all Maybe just because someone is fat doesn't mean they want to die. Well, that's like maybe yeah. we should give a little more. And and guy, actually, I really recommend everybody reads his book. He has an incredible chapter about like how like the most fun person at a party is like he's like you know who like in in movie and TVs, uh, fat women are always seen as like silent, as you named, or like or like miserable or shy or all of these things. He's like, do you know who's fun? Fat women. And he's like, and he's like, when I go to a party, my favorite thing to do is dance in the middle of a f- dance floor. Why? Because I'm very good at it, right? And he just is like, this is not this like miserable, you know, apologetic wallflower that like the, these images of uh, as this movie really leans into. Um, I mean, it, it this movie leans into it in a way that we know she's being wronged mm-hmm. by this by the system and by society, but also like it still sort of plays into it with this like suicide attempt. Yeah, it also it it kind of is like people aren't people who are fat are not sad because they are fat. They're Correct. sad because people make them feel bad for right being you know fat. And so right, it's like what we talked about with with dysphoria, exactly. right? Where it was like, oh, are we supposed to say like trans people are sad because they're trans? No, trans people are are dysphoric because the world is horrible to them. Right, and there's like this new you know there's horrible bias in medical research i mean there's it's there's new studies coming out that is kind of challenging that link between obesity and negative health outcomes because that's a complete fallacy you know yeah yeah and so even the research that i found in this had such horrible things like uh obesity is like the number one chronic illness yeah in yeah, yeah the country and so just <laughs> obesity as illness which again obese is a medical term right that is like horribly oppressive i mean is bmi based is on, based on nothing like it's bmi is based on like people in minnesota yeah it is very it is racist mm-hmm. it is also unhelpful it gives no like mind or or sight or info to you could be an incredibly unhealthy person at a low bmi and a very healthy person at a high Absolutely, bmi yeah. and it's still the number one used metric for weight health mm-hmm. which is bonk towns yeah that's the medical term bonk towns well that's a psychological term. I mean, I don't know what it is in medicine. <laughs> it's the same, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Perfect. That is cool. That's cool to know. Uh, I think. I thought it was fun. Yeah, like Gura I thought it was fun. <laughs> I like that. I I think there needs to. I mean, that's challenging. Kind of what every other field of of study is doing as well. You know, like with medicine and, um, yeah, people are. People's inherent ways of being is not what makes them depressed. It's what right. society reflects back at them. It's what the world is doing at them. Exactly. And the world is doing the most a lot of the time. Yep. Yeah. What'd you research? Okay. This I this feels very weird to follow that incredible. <laughs> I mean, I think well, we just went we went real heavy. Yeah, and I, but and I, I think in a really good way. I mean, I learned a lot. I think. This is, it's super heavy, but it's really important stuff, and I, I'm glad that we talked about it. It's so common, y'all. Yeah. It's so common, thoughts of suicide. I mean, 100% of the hosts on this podcast said that they have had 
those thoughts. Totally. Yeah. 100% of real psych podcast hosts. <laughs> two out of two agree. Yeah. It's a real thing. It is. It really is. Yeah. Um. So there are other themes in this movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, that we, we briefly talked about. Um, some of the things, and I'll just kind of list them, but some of the things that I thought about, you know, is conformity, right? There's like mm-hmm. these social hierarchies, there's relational aggression, as we've talked mm-hmm. about kind of mm-hmm. to death at this point, like we don't need to go there anymore. Um, I also got really interested in this idea of like the language and vernacular of like teens and how it kind of reminded me of like corporate speak or tech speak. Are you familiar? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm just like, and it's like every other TikTok I see is like. I was going to say talk- TikTok has its own Yeah, it's like, let's circle back and streamline our, you know, deliverables, all this stuff, yeah. which is. Per my previous email. Yeah, this is everything I encounter every day. I and may be, we may be experiencing a disconnect here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's some function that kind of contained inner circle language kind of has and it yeah the language that was used in this film obviously is done for comedic effect in a lot of ways but it's also there are there is a lot of teen slang like gen z slang, slang. yeah <laughs> you know and trying to understand the the role that that serves um mm. and i did a little bit of research on it and i actually don't think they're as similar as i thought that they were but with tech speak or corporate speak it's really uh <laughs> they talk about it as a way for people who are uh, kind of lower within a huge corporation can increase their feelings of self-worth about their job is to feel like they are using sophisticated language and um, it kind of compensates for being like a nameless blob and like cog in a machine. It makes them right. feel more connected and more unified and give them a, a more of a sense of purpose. Uh, even like I think the popularity of those TikToks is because yeah. people who hear those terms at their jobs are watching them like, oh my God, it me. Like it's so it me. it's so powerful. I mean, I completely admit to that. Um and well, yeah, clear I mean research is me search. Yeah. This is what you want to find out about. <laughs> yeah. And uh I think with with teens it's different. Or maybe it's not. I don't know. It's something about like inner circle, like being part of this group of people and feeling connected to that group of people and differentiating yourself from other people Mm -hmm. like the olds like you know it's not yeah (laughs) i don't know there there could be something i didn't find a lot on it though um but the other thing i mean it is interesting i mean even little things within within tech actually in terms of like youth and tech uh i once heard that the reason uh snapchat is so what was so or still is but like the thing that made snapchat so popular is that it's hard to work and so kids can operate it and their parents can't figure it out that's so funny it's like yeah it's like in and and like the number of like with with snapchat there's a lot of things where you have to like swipe in the opposite direction in order to do different things that you would do on like a standard operating system and so most like apps and things try to unify within those kinds of things to make it simpler to use and and uh snapchat does the opposite and as an old i have never understood Snapchat. oh i can't i mean nope. i can't i can't understand tiktok uh i mean i'm gonna figure it out this summer y'all and the real psych tiktok channel which does exist <laughs> it has no posts but it does exist <laughs> but it's gonna blow your mind also one uh miles mckenna told me he'd teach me how to use tiktok because <gasps> i'm old yeah uh he's he's young and vibrant we need we need lessons for miles full, um, full of life yeah but 
that's so funny. Uh, and I'm in user experience, so that like blew my mind because it's specifically yeah. like against these kind of heuristics yeah. and mental models that we have because it's uh-huh. trying to capture a specific demographic. And again, that like elitism or like of having something that feels just theirs only increases the the popularity genius genius um yeah yeah so i i went a little bit more of a deep dive into how experimental psychologists understand bullying and how they measure it in the lab um and so there's something called the cyberball task and what it is it's kind of like a it recreates or or mimics a sense of social exclusion Um, And so you're at you're playing kind of a computer game and there are three other players and they are throwing a ball to one another. And so first, yeah, so there's kind of three conditions. The first condition is you watch them throwing it back and forth to each other. And then the second one is uh, you kind of become part of the game and have to like, you know, pass it to each other. And then Mm -hmm. and then there's a third condition where they manipulate the amount of times that the ball gets thrown to you um, as a participant. And so if you feel like, okay, I'm part of this game and I am supposed to play like this and people, the other players don't include you, it can really uh, like uh, evoke feelings of social exclusion. Another uh-huh. another really interesting uh, type totally. way that they do this task is they'll have four participants at once, put them in different rooms and say, these other participants are not, they're, they're real people, which they're not, they're computers, but they, uh, kind of, uh, you know, there's deception there where they say, convince you that yeah, you're playing with the four people, right. the three people that and you were they're just, all playing with each other and not you. And so it actually intensifies Ooh. those feelings of social exclusion. And so they've done a lot of imaging studies, um, and they've looked at, um, you know, like people who have, uh, endorse higher levels of feeling bullied um okay and so obviously there's Pre, like prior to the thing yes, they endorse yeah. higher levels so, okay so that's the like setup condition. yeah self-reported bullying score uh-huh. was associated with higher activation um oh no wait sorry that's not the right one <laughs> <laughs> uh higher activation of the um dorsal anterior cingulate cortex and insula uh in those who are socially rejected or isolated so that's Kind of these uh, self-perceptive feelings, like uh, understanding your, like thinking about yourself, basically. Totally. Um, and then insular. Yeah, they also uh, studied people who like self-reported their bullying others. So that's what the self-reported uh, bullying score was. The Heather Chandler's. Yeah, of the which world. I'm like, who's gonna self-report that? It's kind of interesting. I think some people will. Yeah, I mean that's a whole, but. So they have higher activation in the ventral striatum, which is interesting because that's part of the reward pathway. Um, okay. Amygdala, medial prefrontal cortex, um, insula activation, all these things. Uh, and so it's that's a really interesting thing too, where they're looking at the bully, the bullies and the bullied. Uh-huh. Um, and so, so the bullies feel like rewards, like their their reward pathway is activated when they engage in this thing. Yeah, and you see, I mean, Yuck. there's these different types of bullying, Ew. like one called by strategic bullying, which is uh-huh. not only aggression towards others, but also some pro-social behaviors in a way that kind of like 
can be leveraged to manipulate By strategic visibility. We're all for it. And there are social benefits to that as in increased popularity. So I would argue yes, that that the Heathers are using bi-strategic bullying (laughs) in this movie. Right, because they are marginalized and they're like just objectified and constantly harassed by men, but then they're also harassing the women. Well, so they're using coercion, so they're like aggressive towards other people, but they're also like ingratiating themselves and like being, you know, like they're also... Pro-social. Yeah, doing some kind of stuff for others. Um, in a way that increases their likability and popularity. Ooh. Yeah. Whoa. So, yes. Wow. This is so many things. This is so many things, y'all. The audience, y'all got a handful yep. of stuff. Yep. Um, this movie. I mean, there's a lot to say. There's, there's a so, lot to I mean, talk about. We could have. I feel like I could have gone on for like another. Many oh, we hours. could do we could do several episodes on Heather's. Yeah. Maybe you know, in season fifty, we'll bring it back, <laughs> yeah. and we'll talk more. But only the TV show, the short-lived TV show. We'll only do the the single season uh, TV show. Yes. Um. Um. Yeah. Woof. Woof, indeed. Uh, let's. Uh, we do have some more stuff, but I. Uh, some more. We're gonna do uh, a call from a listener, but I also want to say, Trans Lifeline. You can also go to uh, just Google Trans Lifeline and you'll find different things. Uh, Trevor Project, which has phone number or web chat or things like that, go to thetrevorproject.org, especially for those who are not um, wanting to talk to somebody on the phone. Mm -hmm. Trevor Chat, 24-7. And then uh, 1-800-273-8255 is the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. So all of those really, really great resources. Again, they're in the info uh, for this episode, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, But also you can always Google like, you know, suicide resources and then like your county. Uh, These are also American. I know we have a lot of international listeners, which we're so happy to have you. I'm not not able to have all of the things for all of the places, but uh, I do think trevorproject.org would help most people or you'd be able to find... um, a lot of resources where you are. There are resources. Or if not, use the American ones. Yeah. Um, please, please, please. Uh, but yeah, so we've got uh, one comment uh, that we received, an audio comment. So I'm going to play that uh, and we will end shortly as I vamp to make the sounds happen <laughs> while I pull up the sounds. And there are sounds right here. All right. Here we go. Okay, I'm like so thrilled. I'm um, listening to the rest of Center Stage. And I think you guys did a really good job of talking about eating disorders and talking about the range of eating disorders. I am absolutely um, floored that they're adding orthorexia to the DSM. That's like, I don't want to say thrilling because it speaks to like a very profound... Um, illness and dysfunction in our culture but also having a name for it and having language to talk about it is the first step to like changing it mm-hmm. um, I think something that <clears throat> you guys didn't quite hit and you I know you were going very like surface basic so maybe this is too much um, in depth but something else that is very specific about binge eating disorder is you mentioned the relationship to food and specifically shame and obsession around food 
feeling really stressed and distressed about impulses to binge and binging, hiding food, thinking about food like an inordinate amount. Um, and that I think is a really important characteristic. And also the idea of like, yes, hell yeah, we like culturally sanction binging only at certain times, but we are also culturally sanctioning all the guilt and judgment and weird stuff on top of that. Um, Oh, no, I had a really important point that I wanted to say. Okay, my point is back. <laughs> Some of the um, characteristics of, like, a, a binge is eating past the point of comfort, right? Like, eating to the point of illness. That's part of um, where, like, you're in pain, you're really distressed, and even, like, during the process of eating, you know, like, this is not making me feel good. That sort of experience is it's not just, like, eating a little bit extra and you know feeling bad about it it is like this is actively hurting me I feel out of control and I also it feels bad so despite the like dopamine and all that that we get from the food um there is a very conflictual and unpleasant experience of a binge um but again I think that just might be more detailed but um anyhoozle great job yeah anyhoozle Eddie Huzel. So that is, uh, I actually, she's been mentioned several times in this podcast. That's my friend, uh, Guru Khalsa, who um, is wonderful. Uh, and yeah, we really appreciate it. I actually reached out saying like, hey, we talked about eating disorders and I'd love to hear like yeah. thoughts, feelings. How did this land for you? And so it, she was kind enough to bring um, some additional thoughts yeah, to that, add. Yeah, that's to... like great additional context. It makes me think about, and maybe you can speak to this, like the... I guess similarities to obsessive compulsive disorder like is there you know they're like thinking about food all the time and there's like these behaviors that go along with it I don't know um no I mean I think you're right in terms of the like uh the sort of reward pathway like correlational like how what are we tying two things together Mm -hmm. right and so tying this like food to control to like you know what I mean it is it is along those lines I don't know that I I would we need to see imaging right and I bet it'd be really interesting to see as the as the resident brain expert I'd love to see the imaging I'd really love to see the (laughs) yeah although as I say iris and the neurocortical prefrontal cortex (laughs) I'm sure their limbic systems are um no as I say it though there's a uh like disordered thinking right isn't there like an obsessive compulsive disorder there's an awareness of like that there's this is like actively harming them whereas um i think like guru speaking to an awareness there like they're eating past the point of comfort and their pain right but there's also like the body dysmorphia um i mean it's all and, and binge eating doesn't necessarily have to involve dysmorphia right right um, but it does involve dysphoria, mm-hmm. right? It involves feeling unhappy about the binge. Yeah. Um, and that a loss of control or, or something where this, you then feel like guilt and shame and, and all of those things. But it's so complicated. So People, complicated. turns out, incredibly complex organisms. Yeah. We can't sum it up in, uh, in an hour. But if we could, we wouldn't because then we wouldn't have anything to talk about next week. <laughs> We'd have one episode. <laughs> Well, this has been a delight. So happy to have you back and back, back, back. So happy to be back. Um, We have so many more guest hosts uh, that we have planned for you all. We're hoping to have one about every three weeks to every month. So Um, excited. If y'all have ideas of people you'd like for us to ask, um, we'd love to hear it. Um, If you have thoughts, feelings, comments, corrections, just as, you know, Guru so kindly offered to us, 
send them audio messages on the DMs, or if you don't want to say an audio message, just send a little paragraph and we'll read yeah, it out we'll loud. Read it. We love corrections. We love reactions. We love responses, especially with today. If y'all have, you know, I gave one solution or two solutions for like how to reach out to a friend when you're feeling really low. If you have some, I'd love to hear what you all have done. What, how have you built your safety net? How have you, you know, done any of those things? I think I'd love to share those with, with more people. Yeah. Um, also like my straight up like patience. Uh, I'd love to share those things. Um, but yeah, I have been Dr. J.D. Barton. And I have been Dr. Joanna Whitkin. And this has been another gorgeous episode of Real Sex. So please rate, review, subscribe, and tell a friend. <laughs> tell two friends. Tell two friends, actually. We're, we're growing slowly. As you can tell with our ads, Enjoy the ads. <laughs> Enjoy those. I know. So sorry, y'all. It's such a nightmare. We're so happy about them. And it's like, mm, what a worst experience. Anyways, we love the ads. And there's another one right after this outro music. Bye-bye. Bye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com. Palmetto Porch.com.